The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. From lead pipes in Flint, Michigan, to a duplicitous water commission in Medford, Oregon, to a secret psychiatric ward at UCLA, to the elegant halls of the Palais des Nations in Geneva, Switzerland. Tonight's special guest relentlessly details the U.S. government's indifference to the welfare of individuals and to its legal obligations under national and international accords, prohibiting human experimentation and biological and chemical weapons. We'll discuss the shocking machinations executed at the highest and lowest levels of power, pointing towards a pandemic of as yet unrealized proportions. You are listening to Veritas. If this is your first time, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, and more. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy, MMS, EMP shield, solar, and EMP protection, rebounders, CBD pure hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at, veritasradio.com. And now, here's your host, Mel Hostelrick. Janet Phelan has been on the trail of the biological weapons agenda since the new millennium. She is the author of At the Breaking Point of History, How Decades of U.S. Duplicity Enabled the Pandemic. Her articles on this issue have appeared in Activist Post, New Eastern Outlook, Infowars, and elsewhere. Educated at Grinnell College, UC Berkeley, and the University of Missouri. Graduate School of Journalism. Janet, quote-unquote, jumped ship, and since 2004 has been writing exclusively for independent media in many large-scale publications. She is the author of the groundbreaking expose, Exile, and two books of poetry. And she joins us directly from Chiapas, Mexico, in the southern part of Mexico. Janet Phelan, welcome to Veritas. How are you? Well, thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm actually thrilled to be here. Thank you. I am as well. Janet, the main focus of this interview will be about your new book, but I think it's imperative that we give the listeners an overview of your background and and your story. I know you also wrote a book titled Exile, which by the way, I also want to read. You were forced to flee the U.S. and for the past 15 years, your journalism has focused on the pending pandemic, the who, what, where, when, and how of the pending pandemic. And I say pending because you've predicted this since after September 2001. Let's begin with this. Yes. Well, um, certain things, shall we say, came dramatically to my attention after the events of September 11th. Uh, Well, as we know, uh, those events included not only the attack on the World Trade Center, but subsequently uh, the anthrax mailings, which came to be called Amerithrax. And uh, it, it, it is that 
particular thread that I started to follow. As we know, uh, following the events of of September and October 2001, the the U.S. Congress rushed to pass a uh, a, a big bill called the USA Patriot Act, which many congressmen confessed to not even reading. There's been a lot of attention paid to the surveillance uh, authorities in the USA Patriot Act and a lot of efforts to to address the increasing surveillance and lack of privacy that Americans now have because of the USA Patriot Act. But interestingly enough, almost no attention was paid to a particular section, uh, which, as far as I can see, uh, is where this bioweapons rabbit hole kind of started for me. And that would be Section 817, which is the expansion of the Biological Weapons Statute. And in that section, in the USA Patriot Act, the U.S. gave itself immunity from violating its own biological weapons laws. I believe the exact verbiage is, the prohibitions contained in this section shall not apply to any duly authorized U.S. governmental activity. So while we mere mortals were uh, barred from possessing, deploying, developing uh, all kinds of things around biological weapons, the U.S. gave itself a free reign to do so. Now, the question would be, what does that mean? I mean, what are the implications of this? Because as a matter of fact, the U.S. is party to an international treaty, which is called the Biological Weapons Convention. And that treaty prohibits member states from developing, stockpiling, deploying biological weapons. So one could be concerned that by passing this domestic legislation, the U.S. has essentially thumbed its nose and, in fact, violated the international treaty. Um, Now, I'm going to go into, in a moment, uh, what I found out about the U.S. and the treaty and so forth, but I wanted to give you a second if you had any questions at this point in time. Well, no, you traveled to Geneva, Switzerland. What what happened during that trip, and were you heard? Mm. Well, um, I traveled to Geneva, Switzerland twice, in 2011 and in 2016. And I attended and participated in the Biological Weapons Convention on both occasions. Um, I went as an NGO rather than as media, because as an NGO, I do have the opportunity to engage the convention, to make a presentation. If you go as media, you're essentially, you've got duct tape over your face and you can't say a word. So um, it was very interesting to me what I found out uh, by attending that convention, first of all, Um, the U.S. is bound by what is called a politically binding agreement, which is part 
of the Biological Weapons Convention, which I'm going to be calling the BWC for uh, brevity's sake, uh, is bound to report any changes in law, any bioweapons activities, but specifically any changes in law uh, that occur within within the country, right? So the, the first question I had was, did the U.S. report this rather alarming Section 817 to the Convention at large? Uh, as it turned out, it did not. Um, according to the delegate that I spoke with about this, when I discovered that this report had never been made, um, his name was Chris Park, and he said, well, you know, it was an oversight we forgot to. Well, you know, we all make mistakes, and we can certainly understand that. But a little later in the convention, I found out it wasn't a mistake at all. I was sitting in a side event, uh, which took place during the lunch hour, that was hosted by the United States. And one of their speakers, a Dr. Daniel Gerstein, did a PowerPoint presentation to the individuals, the delegates and so forth, that were in this side event. Uh, showing them what uh, vital and vibrant uh, biological weapons laws the U.S. Uh, had on their books. Well, Gerstein showed the old law, not the one that was amended by 817, not the one where the U.S. gave itself permission to essentially violate the convention, to develop stockpile deploy biological weapons. So at that point, I began to realize that the U.S. was essentially lying to the convention. Was I heard? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, I think I was heard specifically on my second presentation, which was in 2016. The first time I think I was something of a newbie and, uh, you know, was doing the best I could, but I had learned a lot by my 2011 experience in 2016, I presented again uh, during the NGO presentations and uh, uh, was immediately approached uh, by a reporter from the Russian news giant TASS, who subsequently interviewed me and, and ran a big spread in Russia about my particular concerns and presentation. Furthermore, I was approached by a number of delegates uh, to the convention who were expressing alarm at the information that I uh, conveyed, which had to do with the U.S.'s violations of the treaty. Um, unfortunately, the, uh, the media gallery was also full of other reporters from the Associated Press and Reuters and people who whose work would be read in the U.S. and none of them said a word. So that's kind of a reflection, I think, of the times we're in. I'm curious, since you've researched the U.S. bioweapons program, and a lot of people might think that this is something rather new, just a few decades, but no, it's over over a hundred years. Did you look into the origin? Did you ever look into the origins of the Spanish flu? Um, you know, I've, I've run into uh, some concerns about that, but the answer is no. I think I, I sort of 
took that as as something that was probably um, you know a bona fide naturally occurring incident and and I didn't look any further than that that deserve its own investigation and its own uh, interview because of what I've been told it was created in the United States but the only reason why it's called the Spanish flu is because Spain was neutral during World War One it was the only country with a free press when the other countries were just uh, keeping it quiet to avoid the enemy knowing how many casualties they had but anyway that's for a different interview is the U.S. ignoring the Nuremberg Code by continuing to evade the mandates of informed consent Janet well, this is something I think that has concerned a lot of people, and uh, it appears that the answer is that it certainly is, and is doing so on a number of different issues. Uh, we're all watching with some interest um, the the progress of Biden's insistence mandates that people have to get vaccinated if they work for the federal government, if they work for contracting companies. Um, I do understand that the Fifth Circuit Court has uh, has said that this is illegal. As of today, uh, I received a notification that OSHA has also uh, said that they will not enforce this mandate. Um, so that that's one issue. But the U.S. has has a history now of ignoring the mandates for informed consent in a number of different sort of uh, venues. Uh, For example, well, we all know about the Church and Pike hearings of the 1970s and MKUltra and how, you know, this was supposed to have sort of cleaned house so that the CIA would not be running uh, experiments on people anymore. But this appears to, the, the experiments appear to have gone underground. And I want to specifically mention uh, a situation that UCLA, their Neuropsychiatric Institute, uh, which did have a human experimentation ward up and running at least until around 2000. It's very hard to get data about this because UCLA has taken the absolutely extreme and bizarre uh, stance that, well, ASAP never existed. We don't know what you're talking about. It doesn't matter how much uh, information, links, uh, whatever you send UCLA to show them that A-South certainly did exist, they have basically gone into a sort of a tailspin of denial. Now, what they were doing on A-South, which was populated in terms of its client base, its patient base, was solely at the time of the concerns, when the concerns began to uh, evidence about it were solely welfare patients. Okay, uh, none of the Hollywood stars were on a South. Um, nobody. It was. It was basically uh, they had a they, they had a patient population that could be considered um, more disadvantaged 
than people who were uh, receiving um, regular insurance, who maybe had had an incident but were going back to work. These were people who were very often considered permanently disabled. And what they were doing is they were doing brain electricity experiments. And they ran, they, they basically evidenced in a couple of ways. They, they were shocking people. They were giving people electroshock far in excess of um, <clears throat> what is recommended <clears throat> for these procedures, which are considered you know, questionable anyway. But they also had a stash of quote unquote medication, which would produce seizure activity in the patients. And um, in terms of whatever I was able to glean about this unit, um, there was no informed consent. And in fact, when patients began to object to being uh, treated uh, with convulsive therapy, they were told to just shut up and that the, 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 the therapy, therapy, I'm using the word loosely, was uh, not going to be terminated, nor would they be um, released from the hospital. This is not a good situation. Now, I was able to find, um, so I was not able to find the funding for ASAP because it is my understanding that it could very well have been funded through some sort of federal mechanism. Uh, I don't think that the residents uh, at UCLA, the psychiatric residents, were necessarily that eager to hurt people, um, but this is what they were doing on this unit. Uh, I, I found the name of the unit head. Also, there was a um, a resident named Derek Ott, who went on to become a psychiatrist in Los Angeles, and at one point was uh, hauled in front of the psychiatric board the, for for basically inaction that resulted in the patient death, which they exonerated him for. Um, so they were. They were running brain electricity experiments on ASAP. And frankly, if they were doing this at UCLA, I would bet my bottom dollar they were doing this in other hospitals as well. Sounds MKUltra-ish, but we'll discuss MKUltra yeah. throughout the interview. Now, let's talk yeah. about the Biological Weapons Convention for a moment. Unlike the Nuclear Weapons Convention, the Biological Conventions Treaty, there is no verification protocol. So how do we know? if the signatories are, in fact, abiding by its dictates, Janet? Oh, well, you know, what they what they say is, well, trust us. You know, we report to you. We report. Um, we self-report. They have something called confidence-building measures. And with the confidence-building measures, they are... Oops, did I lose you? No, did I'm I here. I'm here. Hell? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. So yep. Something real funny happened on my screen. Okay. So uh, confidence building measures are have taken the place of any sort of verification or enforcement protocol with the BWC. And a confidence building measure is, for an example, like when the U.S. was mandated to report changes, changes in its legislation and didn't do so. That's a confidence building measure. 
The Fox is supposed to report on its Thank you for listening. To unlock the full 2-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.